This is an AMI podcast. I have such respect for artists in Canada, people who live with blindness and are doing what they love. Amy Amanti takes a deep dive into the world of art and accessibility. As an artist myself who identifies with having a profound sight loss, I am so keen to explore different art mediums and have discussions with people who are trying to say something with their art. Accessing Art with Amy. New episodes drop every other Thursday. Download this AMI podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Medically assisted dying remains controversial within the disability community in Canada. Advocates for medically assisted dying, or MAID, couch their arguments in terms of personal choice and dying with dignity. They assert Canadians with disabilities should not be deprived of their charter rights. Advocates opposed to MAID say MAID makes it easier to end the lives of Canadians with disabilities. Concerns have been raised about the potential for abuse, and expanding MAID justifies reduced spending on community supports and palliative care. So opponents say that medically assisted dying suggests that the lives of people with disabilities aren't worth living. One thing's for sure. The debate's not going away. Today, we discuss disability and medical assistance in dying. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Joita Gupta and I'm the host of the program. Today, the second part of a two-part series that looks at the history and some of the conversations and controversy around medically assisted dying in Canada. In yesterday's episode, we heard from Patricia Hughes, who is a lawyer and was able to give us a bit of a breakdown of some of the significant events and spoke to us at length about what Bill C-7, which is in its second reading, is likely to change about medically assisted dying. We also heard from Yves Giroux, who is Canada's parliamentary budget officer, and Yves Giroux talked to us about some of their cost analysis. How much money are provinces likely to save with expanded medically assisted dying measures in Canada? If you missed that previous episode and you want to get caught up, you can find the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Today, we're going to dive right into the controversy. Because let's be honest, the Supreme Court might have taken a unanimous decision, but opinion within the disability community about medically assisted dying is fractured, to say the least. In the second half of the program, we'll hear from some disability advocates about the concerns that they have with the expanded scope of Bill C-7. But first, Jason LeBlanc, is an independent medically assisted in assistance in dying researcher. He is a proponent of MAID and believes, in fact, that Bill C-7 doesn't quite go far enough. Jason LeBlanc, welcome to The Pulse. It's really great to have you on the program. Thank you. Jason, what is your reaction to some of the changes in Bill C-7? How are you feeling about it? Uh, well, it's kind of mixed emotions because I do think that it's a, it's an important bill in terms of moving medical assistance and dying forward. I do think that C7 will eventually um, 
end up being integrated into into law. But I do think that it's something that will most likely be debated in future court cases because I think that it's sort of um, it's sort of patchwork. I don't think it's a it's necessarily the the solution to the issue the, the, to the several issues that we have right now with Bill C fourteen, which is the 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 original made legislation. Mm-hmm. In a CBC opinion piece that you wrote a couple months back, you said that medical assistance in dying isn't a hypothetical or theoretical question. It deals with real people. That's a really powerful statement, Jason. Can you tell us a little bit about your circumstances? Where are you coming? Um, when you when you talk about your your take on this issue, where are you coming from? Well, my I've been in a relationship with someone for um, roughly half a decade, um, who's my common law partner. Her name is Justine, and she suffers from a very debilitating chronic pain condition. Um, she is a disabled person. She's been interested in applying for and trying to apply for MAID uh, going on three years now. Um, mm-hmm. She's been denied on the basis that her death isn't reasonably foreseeable, which is something that is in, in the in the process of being changed with Bill C-7. But my perspective in terms of the quote you just mentioned was that there's a lot of debate happening around medical assistance and dying from a theoretical standpoint. There's actually mm-hmm. a paper published, I think, in December 2018 from the Council of Canadian Academies that's spoken in theoreticals as if people such as my partner just don't exist. So that quote was coming from a source of somewhat frustration with the fact that we're debating in Parliament as if we haven't had medical assistance and dying for four years, as if we don't have data from Canadians who have attempted to access it and who haven't been able to access it. So where I'm coming from is a, a perspective that you know I wish we had access. I, and we've been fighting for three years for access, and we're still fighting. Isn't it uh, an individual's right to choose how and when they put an end to their life, under what circumstances, that you may die with some uh, degree of dignity? Well, yes, I do think that that's the case. I think that every Canadian, uh, irrespective of whether their personal health situation is, I think that they should have the ability to to choose for themselves on a subject such as this, which has no, it's not a, you know, dying is not a partisan subject. It's not... It's something that we're all going to face in our lifetimes eventually. And um, unfortunately, with something like this, the, the government seems to think that it's not a personal choice, that it's 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 essentially their choice. Um, you know, they say that the, a physician's not allowed to compel your decision on this. Uh, a family member's not allowed to compel your decision. A caretaker can't. But for some reason, the government thinks that they can decide who can access this and who can't. You know, there are people within the disability community who have raised significant concerns about medically assisted dying. And I'm sure those are concerns that you are by now well familiar with, that it's making a statement about the inherent lack of value associated with people with disabilities, that perhaps a better approach is to look at palliative care rather than making it easier for people with disabilities to end their lives, how would you respond to those criticisms? Um, I think that some of the criticisms are certainly valid. I think that others aren't so much. Um, The main argument that I've been hearing from people in the disability community who have disagreed with and who, or, or not necessarily who wholly disagree with 
moving forward with, with something like Bill C-7, but who have some reservations about it, is that how can um, a person who is disabled be able to choose to die when they don't necessarily have the support to live? And I think mm-hmm. that that's an imp- I do think that's an important question. It's tricky because I, I'm not sure if that point is entirely related to Bill C-7. I don't think it's entirely related to MAID. I think that more falls in the category of treatment of disabled persons by the Canadian healthcare system, which I do think is something that should be looked at more clearly because as someone who whose partner is disabled, you know, I've I've been to all of her appointments. I've taken her to, you know, hospitals. I've I've been there and I've seen the way that healthcare professionals have treated her and Frankly, sometimes it's really hard to hear. It's hard to watch. You never know what sort of treatment you're going to get when you have an appointment with a specialist or, you know, when you go to the emergency room for something. And I think that and for people with disabilities, I absolutely can understand why they would have reservations about something like this because they don't want to be put into a situation where they're feeling pressured to to opt in on, on something like this. And I completely understand that, you know, I, 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 I get where they're coming from on that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, would you say that an emphasis on improved palliative care and societal supports and community supports for people with disabilities is not inherently at odds with expanding medically assisted dying in Canada? I don't think they're exclusive of one another. I do think that we need improved access to palliative care in Canada. I think that much is obvious if you look at the, at who is able to access it and who isn't. I, I think that we, and especially with a, an older, a growing population of senior Canadians, I do think that we have to confront that, that we, you know, we don't have access across the board for every Canadian into palliative care. Um, I also do think that we, yes, absolutely, we need to look at the um, communities that are not receiving the health care support and services that, frankly, are owed to them. I mean, you have Canadians who aren't disabled, such as myself, who, um, you know, if, if, I, if I hadn't been in, in this situation with my partner, I would have no idea about what a disabled Canadian, a disabled person goes through, just trying to access um, services and and support that should be, you know, readily accessible for them. Um, It's rather eye-opening being in this situation and seeing the the difference between what sort of I'm offered and what she's offered. Um, I do think that we, you know, and I don't know if it's, if it should happen at a federal level because healthcare is administrated provincially. So I, I don't quite know where, you know, where the buck falls, whose responsibility it is other than to say that, yes, like we need more access to palliative care. And yes, we need to treat disabled persons better in this country. I I don't think there's any question about those two things. One of the things you mentioned previously in our conversation is that by the time you think that that Bill C-7 will in some form become law, but you think there's going to be a lot of legal challenges associated with it. Talk to me a little bit about our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, Do you see this being a charter issue? I do think it is a charter issue. I mean, I'm not, um, I'm certainly not, you know, a trained legal professional or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, the 
original Carter v. Canada case was it was challenged on the charter, and that's sort of how medical assistance in dying came into being. And the most recent case uh, in Quebec was also um, argued on the basis of the charter. And I do think that, you know, if we're going to respect the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and if we're going to respect the two court cases that have come down the pike, uh, both of which have been fought by disabled Canadians who've wanted access to um, MAID, um, you know, I do think that we're going to see further further challenges, um, especially as it relates to things like advanced directives and m- arguably more controversial subjects, such as if someone who has a mental illness should be able to access MAID and, and those sorts of things. I think it, it would be a better approach to integrate more strenuous monitoring of who is requesting made, who's accessing made, rather than trying to restrict access. And I still feel like we're in this spot where the government's trying to provide access, but also restrict access, rather than learning about who's coming to this, why are they coming to it, who's using it, and you know, is there a way we could do this better than what we're doing? Is the government's approach to made paternalistic? I think so, yeah. And I think that that's something that's coming from all sides. I, you know, I, I think whether you're you vote Liberal, Conservative, NDP, Greens, Bloc Québécois, you know, I think that every party in Ottawa right now is approaching the subject of made from a paternalistic perspective. It's a very important topic, but uh, we're pretty much out of time. And I really appreciate that you were able to give us your point of view on it. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you so much for uh, you know giving me the opportunity to, to share a little bit about my story. Thank you. My name is Joita Gupta, and today we're diving into some of the discussions that have gripped the disability community about medically assisted dying in Canada, specifically Bill C-7. In the first half of the conversation today, you heard from Jason LeBlanc, who is in favor of medically assisted dying in Canada and is an independent researcher. We heard his take. Now I'm pleased to welcome to the program a spokesperson from the Council of Canadians with Disabilities. Taylor Hyatt feels that medically assisted dying in Canada sets up some really problematic assumptions about the lives of people with disabilities. Taylor Hyatt, welcome to The Pulse. It's so good to have you on the program. Thank you so much for having me. Taylor, uh, Bill C-7 is meant to expand the scope of medically assisted dying in Canada. Can you talk about why the Council for Canadians with Disabilities is concerned about Bill C-7 specifically, but medically assisted dying more generally? Okay. Um, Typically, when when you hear about life-ending measures, people think of one terminally ill person seeking to end their life. But everyone for whom um, euthanasia and assisted suicide looks like a viable option has a disability or illness of some kind. Mm -hmm. Even outside of the context of this issue and this bill, the portion of the population that doesn't have a disability or illness already looks at people who do and says, oh my goodness, I could never live like that. Mm -hmm. What they fail to recognize is that the struggles and barriers come from a societal level and they're not inherent to the condition. If Mm -hmm. only people could have better housing, proper pain relief, whatever devices and assistance they need to live in their community, not in an institution, and to get around that community as independently as possible, perhaps our lives might look and be a bit easier. 
mm-hmm. often when you're seeking assisted suicide, um, you feel that control of your death is the only option in the face of a body that seems to be failing, as well as a society that oppresses and makes life unnecessarily difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it may appear to offer control over the way your life ends, it doesn't address the real cause of the problems you're facing. Mm-hmm. That's a really good observation, Taylor. Let me pick up on it because a lot of people who, as you noted, are proponents of medically assisted dying will make that argument that this is about personal choice. It's about autonomy. It's about feeling like I'm in control of when and how I end my life. And and their contention is that this is in fact a charter issue that, uh, you know, if Canadians with disabilities should have access to the same ability to end their life as a non-disabled Canadian. Are you sure you're not convinced by the charter arguments? The charter argument doesn't convince me one bit. Hmm. Before looking at equality in death, we need to look at equality in life. Um, Everyone wants to um, avoid suffering that is natural and normal, but I think it's a mistake to attribute support for life-ending measures just to suffering as a general term. Disability rights activists often see a desire to end your life as a need that has gone unmet. If Mm -hmm. your issue is physical pain, you need better pain management. If Mm -hmm. the issue is housing, a device like a wheelchair to make getting around less exhausting, what services are available. And fighting the various systems to get these supports is hard. Mm-hmm. If, if you feel stuck between, for example, tremendous pain, isolation, exhaustion, poverty, or death, that's not a real choice at all. And something is currently being missed. All of these potential solutions I'm thinking of are things that everybody, regardless of disability, wants, needs, and deserves. People in power need to step up. Speaking of people in power, governments, or even the courts, you know that after Carter versus Canada, the issue of medically assisted dying has been before the courts, at least on one other significant occasion. And the government of Canada has commissioned at least three different studies looking at the impact of medically assisted dying. So one wonders if you're satisfied with the level of public engagement and awareness of this issue. Do you feel that the government has done enough to consult with Canadians with disabilities and get the get a sense of some of your concerns? Absolutely not. Um, I remember there was one online survey that that came out and well to put it simply one survey isn't going to cut it Mm -hmm. and as far as i understand um that survey wasn't well uh secured either um but one survey doesn't take into account all of the disability related issues and the complexity of all of this um I, I totally agree that this issue is not a simplistic one, but but neither are the solutions. To give disabled Canadians equality in life, there isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all solution. There are many, many dimensions, uh, many things that, that most people go about their lives not thinking of. 
Mm-hmm. There is at least one notable case of a Canadian. Uh, this is, you know, the, the person I'm thinking about um, was the subject of a 2019 Quebec Superior Court legal decision, um, mm-hmm. and said in a in a statement after his death that initially they had intended to die in June of 2020, but decided to move that up because of the pandemic. Right. Now, do you feel that the pandemic is adding a whole other layer of complexity to this issue? Because obviously there are going to be more Canadians with long-term permanent conditions. Uh, but there's also all this talk about overloading our healthcare system and how many disability advocates have already said this, we're not getting the kind of attention and support we need during the pandemic. So do you worry that having a conversation about medically assisted dying right now is just putting Canadians with disabilities in a vulnerable position during the pandemic? You're absolutely right. I see a couple of issues here. One is that we don't know uh, what effects the coronavirus will have long term. There will be more people dealing with uh, newly acquired disabilities and chronic conditions that need support. Um, But even now, um, people are um, facing additional barriers specifically related to the pandemic. One, those in institutions are now more isolated Two, expenses are going up, especially if you're living in poverty or opting to have their groceries delivered. I know that my expenses have have doubled because I'm opting not to go in the store um, and reduce the chances of of, uh, contracting the virus there. People who rely on personal assistance at home are having a harder time getting their staff to come into shifts because they don't want either the staff member or the disabled client to to become sick. Um, so, so lots I, of I, issues I, happening there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I, so I would say that all of the issues disability advocates were working on pre-pandemic have only intensified. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about medically assisted dying, do you worry that in the context of government spending that some say is now out of control, emergency rooms and ICUs that are overflowing, that medically assisted dying is going to become a justification or um, even a, a way to shorten or end the lives of Canadians with disabilities rather than look at some of those life-saving options, including but not limited to access to ventilators, palliative care, and all the other options that are on the table. Right. That that was the first thing I had thought of was the critical care protocols that some hospitals have created where people with, to use the common American phrase, pre-existing conditions are uh, bumped to the bottom of lists to receive life-saving supports, people are definitely going to be um, at risk because of that. Taylor, can I ask you a question? Because I've been pondering this for quite a while. Um, I don't think that there's someone who, let's say, is on the other side of the, the debate from you. I don't think that those people would necessarily disagree with the idea that we should have improved palliative care and community supports and housing and other benefits for people with disabilities. Is there a way that the two sides could come together? 
and have a, a discussion. Do you feel that right now within the disability community, mm-hmm. the people who are for medically assisted dying and those who are opposed to medically assisted dying are having a conversation with one another? And do you feel that there's some value in having a dialogue? Um, well, I, for one, would would love to collaborate and talk to people who who want those supports to be increased. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, I know that um, just leaving life-ending measures on the table as an option um, can't remain acceptable. Um, ultimately, they are rooted in the belief that living with a disability is is impossible, is so horrible that no no right-thinking person would would want to. Um, and so absolutely, let's uh, work together and put all the supports in place that we can. But underneath it all, support for life-ending measures um, comes from that belief that just can't be allowed to stand because it puts people's lives at risk. Mm-hmm. Bill C7 then, second reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's now been this parliamentary budget office report uh, that, you know, they talked about the cost implications of all of this. They're also looking at expanding it, uh, the, you know, the situations in which medically assisted dying would be permitted. You don't just have to have an irreversible uh, condition where your death is now imminent. It, it, you could have right. other uh, situations where it's allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to see happen next? I mean, do you actually think they should just take Bill C-7 off the table altogether? Do you even think that it's possible if you're opposed to medically assisted dying that we could go back to a situation uh, where Carter versus Canada hadn't happened in 2015 or have we forever turned a corner? What do you think? Um, best case scenario, absolutely. I think the bill should be scrapped. I think we need to return to um, what was called for in the Carter decision, which was a carefully designed system imposing stringent limits that are scrupulously monitored and enforced. Um, of, of course, if, if I had my way, euthanasia and assisted suicide would, would not be an option at all. But, but at the very least, with Bill C-7, eligibility criteria and um, especially the witness procedure are, are being loosened so that we're getting far, far away from what Carter called for. Taylor Hyatt, we'll have to leave it here, but thank you very much for weighing in on this complex issue. There are, as you noted, no straightforward answers and it's not a simple or straightforward issue. So we thank you for taking some time to give us your take on it. Thank you very much. That was Taylor Hyatt from the Council of Canadians with Disabilities, who gave us her take on medically assisted dying in Canada. We've gone into the debate, rather, I should say, we've skimmed the surface of the debate that has gripped the disability community. The one thing that's for sure is that this debate is not going away. It requires some dialogue, it might require some compromise, and it might require that we sit down and listen to each other, but I know that it can be hard to have those conversations. You can contact the Canada Suicide Prevention Line anytime, 24-7, at 1-833-456-4566, or you can text them at 45645. 
I would like to thank my guests today, Jason LeBlanc and Taylor Hyatt for being on the program. The technical producer for The Pulse is Nasreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio and Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. And I hope that everyone has a wonderful rest of your day and we'll be back with more Pulse right here on AMI-audio. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.